0: Hi, and welcome to the Mount Hamilton Baptist Church podcast. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. For more information, go to mhbc.ca.
1: My name is Leanne, and I'm the lead pastor here. Welcome. And uh, we're going to spend some time learning together this morning from the Bible, from God's word. And I want to start by telling you a little story. And maybe it'll be an experience that some of you have had something like as well. It happened to me many years ago, about 20 years ago, in fact. I was on a graduation trip with a friend to Spain. And we were staying in a really cute little hostel near a nice courtyard area. And in this courtyard, there were a group of women that were fortune tellers. And so much on, much like when you go past people trying to sell you things or what have you, whenever we went by them each day and then on our way back each night, we would be accosted by these 10, 15 women who wanted to tell our fortunes. And of course, we'd always say, oh, no, gracias, no, gracias, no, gracias. But one day, one of the women was too quick, and she grabbed my hand, and she started to read my palm. And, and I knew enough Spanish at the time to know what she was saying. And as I'm standing there, I'm like, mm-hmm. she's reading my palm, and she's saying, oh, you're going to have a beautiful life. Oh, gracias. And she says, you're going to get married. I wasn't married at the time. Great. She says, you're... You're going to have four children, two boys and two girls. And then she says some stuff I didn't understand. (laughs) And so, and I said, gracias, and I went to leave. And then she pulled me back, started yelling at me, you have to pay me. I said, I'm not paying you. You just grabbed my arm. I didn't want you to do it. And we had this debate in the street, you know, and I eventually got away. And then for the next few days when we stayed in this town, though, whenever I went by this area, I took, like, a wide (laughs) path around, right? Because I didn't want to get caught up in this. Uh, I didn't believe it, right? I knew it was a scam. I mean, in hindsight, they were poor. I probably could have given her a little bit of money to help her out. But I didn't believe it. It wasn't true. I just thought, this is nonsense, right? Now, the reason I tell this is that you might find yourself thinking of those kind of scenarios when I tell you what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about prophecy and people who have the gift of being prophets. Uh, We've been talking together as a church about something called spiritual gifts. And these are the different ways that God gifts his followers so that we can use these gifts to build up the church. This is one of the verses that reminds us of this from the book of Ephesians. And it says, But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. And we've been using this image of a hand, which you'll also see up here, to remind ourselves of what these different gifts how, what they look like. And so we've talked so far about how apostles are like the thumb. This, the hand reminds us. They govern. They lay groundwork. They touch all the other fingers. They start things. We talked about them last week, and you can hear that sermon online. We've also talked about pastors, which are represented by the ring finger, which is like a covenant reminder that pastors, and we're not talking about people who just have my job, but people who are gifted as shepherds, they care for us. They guard us teachers ground us because the pinky provides balance. Those are the three we've talked about. And in two weeks' time, next week we have a guest. In two weeks' time, we're going to talk about how evangelists, this longest finger, gather us. But today we're going to talk about prophets. By the pointer finger, we remember prophets. They guide. Go this way. Go this way. They point. And so, as I said, when I say we're going to talk about prophets, I think of all five, and I want to remind you, these are big categories of gifts. There are gifts within these you might also have, but these are five big categories to help us think about where we might fall and others might fall, so that as a body of Christ, we can serve God well together. But I have to say that I'm guessing the prophets one, maybe I'm making an assumption, would be the one most likely to make people go, huh, prophets, eh? That's... Not sure about that one. Maybe for different reasons. Maybe you think about, when I say prophets, you think about fortune-telling, right? Like those ladies that I met. People saying, here's what's going to happen in your future. Here's, you know, you're going to win the lottery. You're going to have this many kids. Here's the date you're going to die. That kind of stuff. And we don't, we don't believe in that kind of stuff, right? We don't believe in fortune telling. And some of us, when we think of prophets, might think of like scenarios from like comic book characters and movies, right, where there's a great prophet, we're waiting for the chosen one to come, that kind of thing. Or we might think if we grew up in certain church circles of people getting up and making elaborate predictions about the future of the church, and that may have been done in a way that made us uncomfortable too. And so this word might make us go, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. So, what I want to do is talk about how prophets are actually talked about in the Bible, and what we mean by this role of prophets who point. And I think there might be more of you out there than you think. So, let me introduce you to a few prophets. First of all, there's a lot of them in the Bible, a lot. And let me start by introducing you to a man named Nathan. This is an actual photo of Nathan. <laughs> it's, a, it's not. <laughs> But the internet's amazing, isn't it? So here is a photo of Nathan and King David. Um, No, it's a painting, obviously, someone made. But first, to understand who Nathan was, I need to tell you about King David. David is talked about in the Bible. He lived a long time before Jesus. This is when the nation of Israel is being uh, ruled by this King David, who is a good, godly king. He's actually remembered as the best king, the king that was seeking God's heart. But even as David was a great king... We read in scripture that he had a season where he really went in the wrong direction. And it says that one day he was in his palace and he looked out over his city and he saw a beautiful woman named Bathsheba bathing and he wanted her and he brought her back to his palace and he slept with her and she became pregnant. Quite a soap opera. The extra problem with that was that she was already married and her husband was away at war, actually fighting in David's army. And so it was going to become apparent quickly that her husband had not been the one to make her pregnant. And so David arranged for her husband to be killed in battle. So if you've lost track of the terrible things that David did in this story, he committed sexual assault, because I just want, I'm really over like acting like Bathsheba, like tempted David or something. Like when a king calls you to a palace, you really don't have a choice of saying no, right? So he committed sexual assault, he committed adultery, and he then committed murder to put a Not too fine a point on it. This is where Nathan comes in. And so we read in 2 Samuel 12 what happens next. The Lord sent Nathan to David... When he came to him, he said, there were two men in a certain town, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had a large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except one little lamb he had bought. He raised the lamb and grew it with him and his children. He shared his food, drank from his cup, and it even slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep to prepare a meal for the traveler. Instead, he took the lamb lamb that belonged to the poor man and prepared it for the one who would come to him. David burned with anger and said to Nathan, as surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. He must pay for the lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. And then Nathan said to David, you are the man This is what the Lord of the God of Israel says. I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. Why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his eyes? And then he goes on to challenge him and push back on this. And David ultimately repents and says, you're right. I need to make this right with God. That's one prophet. Another prophet is talked about among many is, once again, actual photo, is a man named Elijah. I'm thinking of people watching this online going, hearing listening this online going, what photos is she showing? <laughs> this is uh, a rendering again of a prophet named Elijah. This is many years after David, and there's a different king, not a good king. His name is Ahab. Ahab is remembered as a terribly evil, evil king married to an evil queen named Jezebel. And one of the reasons that they were evil is that they wanted to follow other gods, even though this was God's nation, the nation of Israel, and they want to say, you need to follow these gods called Baal, a god of Baal, and all his his prophets and so on that are speaking for him. And this story is found in 1 Kings. And Elijah spoke up to Ahab and to Jezebel and said, this is not what God wants. And in a very famous story, he actually gathers all the prophets of Baal, and he stands there and he says to the prophets of Baal you prove that God's the real God tell God your god to send fire from heaven and I'll tell my God to send fire from heaven and we'll see who's the real deal and at the end of the story fire doesn't come obviously from the false gods but God the true God sends fire to the altar of Elijah and Elijah says turn away from Baal follow the true God it's interesting Now, if you get to the end of the Old Testament, which is the first section of Scripture, about two-thirds of the Bible before Jesus came, there's actually a whole slew of prophets, and they have names like Hosea and Jeremiah and Isaiah and Ezekiel, and they were people who came and did the same thing. They spoke to God's people, and they said, you need to turn back to God, you need to listen to God, you need to follow God but I'm going to tell you in detail about another one that we read now when Jesus comes, and his name was John the Baptist. And before Jesus began to teach and preach and heal and lead his ministry, we, meet, we read that John the Baptist was getting the groundwork ready for him. And this is, we read John the Baptist, he's out, it says he's in the desert, he's calling people, he's coming in, he's baptizing people. And here's what it says. It says, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and he said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. It talks a bit more about him and how he dressed, and it says, When he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees, this is the religious leaders, coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, You brood of vipers. He was discreet. Who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Repentance. And do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. He invites them to repent. So maybe you see what prophets are doing here. You notice here they're not saying, you there, lottery in a month. You there, how many kids you're going to have. They say, you there, follow God. You've turned from God. Come back to truth. That is the role of the prophet. Prophets guide. Now, in this next slide, I showed this last week as well. We're talking about these five different gifts. And one also helpful thing to remember is I think that there's really two categories even within these five. Teachers and shepherds, represented by the T and the S, they're settlers. Settlers are ones who build. Once things are established, they make sure they're established well. So if you think of like the Old West, as I said last week, they were the ones that after a pioneer came in and was like, I've started a town... Then later, they said, now we need to build the schools, we need to build the churches, and we need to put in infrastructure. The other three fall in the category of pioneers. Again, much like in the Old West, I said this last week, if you read Little House on the Prairie, yeah? Pa was a pioneer, right? Let's just get in the wagon and go a 1,000 miles and see where we end up, right? And he would start something totally new. Prophets fall in the category of pioneers. They're more starters than builders. They're more beginning than uh, continuing to move it forward. Prophets, as we see in the next slide, they are people who discern God's leading. Oh, that says apostles, forgive me. That should say prophets guide on the top. I didn't update that part of the slide. (laughs) They discern God's leading. So they're discerning. They're able to sense God's ways. They then direct us in God's ways. And if we think of ourselves as being part of the body of Christ, and the Bible uses that metaphor, prophets are our eyes our ears, our mouths. They hear God's voice. They see truth. They speak to us. So one of the ways that I like to see prophets uh, described that I love this week is they said, prophets are agitators for change. Agitators for change. They are truth speakers. So maybe you're a prophet and you've never really thought about it before. Let me give you some hints that maybe you're a prophet and you'll see them up here. You're a prophet, for example, if perhaps you can see where a system or structure needs to be changed for the better. You look at something and you're like, I can fix that. Or that's not working. I have another idea of how that would work. If you have a vision for how things could be, right? You're like, this is what it could really be. Prophets often have a strong passage, passion for justice. In fact, that's one of the things that the prophets in Scripture often do. They say things like, you have forgotten the poor. You have forgotten justice. Come back to God's ways. You may be a prophet if you have always been able to sense when something's off, right? I don't know if you should really trust that person. I'm not really sure that person, what, what's being said there is really God's ways If you've often been a voice of wisdom, people say, you know, you said that and I never forgot it. Or when you made that statement, it changed my life. Or when I need help, I go to you. And so people often seek your advice. These are all things that might indicate that you are a prophet. And I'm going to surprise a couple people here when I call them out as prophets right now. And I've thought of some ways I've seen this uh, gift in people's lives. And sometimes you may not... Uh, lean to being a prophet uh, in general, but there may even be seasons where you have times or seasons where you have that voice. One of the people I thought about was our worship leader this morning, Chris, and the reason I thought of him was seeing this example that some of you might not know that the worship leaders put a lot of effort into how they choose their songs. And so what they do, because there's four leaders and it'd be really confusing if every week someone got up and did another new song, so they discern the new songs together. They say, here's a bunch of lists. Let's pray about it and kind of pick a few that we think fit. And I still remember one of the meetings where one of the songs we wanted to leave. Chris shared, well, do you know the group that promote, like, that wrote that song? And we said, well, not really. He said, well, you know some of the stuff they do. And he started sharing some of the scandals they have been involved in and some of the things that they did that he said, like, this is not good teaching. This is dangerous teaching. And we're like, well, it's just a song. Like, we really like the song, Right. But a prophet's voice says, but every time we sing it, we give that group money because of CCLI. I don't know if we should do that. That's a prophetic voice, right? That's the voice saying, have we forgotten justice? I think of a woman named Joyce Bellows. Some of you will remember her. She attended here for a while. Lots of you won't know her, but she was one of my professors in seminary. And she was a prophetic. She attended here as well. And she was a prophetic voice in my own life and often here. Someone that when she said something, you're like, yeah, that, that's exactly right. I remember once, very vividly, we were in a group that was working together at our school, and I had all these ideas. I had all these things I wanted to do, and I was just like ready to go and all this. When the meeting was done, she turned and looked at me, and it was absolutely loving. I didn't feel judged. I didn't feel bad, but I knew it was true. And she said, Leanne, you go too fast for people. You need to give people time to catch up. Some of you are like, yeah, Leanne, remember. (laughs) Still working on it. But what she was trying to say was that, you know, you have all these ideas. You want to do and you want to do. And like, stop and listen. And I knew it was God's voice for me. I knew it was wisdom. I think of how in our board meetings, so there's seven people here that serve uh, what might be called the role of elder, but we call it our board of directors. And we have all these discussions. And we go and we go and we go. And then at the end of the meeting, Bruce Smith, who's sitting right there, he'll go, you know, I've been thinking. And then he'll just say something, and we'll all go, yeah, that's actually, yeah, that's exactly what we need to do, that you're right, that prophetic voice. You can recognize it as the people who often have that role, right? Maybe you've been in business meetings here, and we all go and go, and then one person stands up, and they just go, and you're like, yep, that's it, that's the thing. Prophets are really important, people who have that voice, the prophetic voice that speaks God's ways to us. In fact, listen to what is said in the book of 1 Corinthians about prophecy, Um, And it's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And it's after talking a lot about spiritual gifts. And it says, Follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in tongues does not speak to people but to God. And that's a different type of spiritual gift. We'll talk about another time. But indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to the people for their strengthening. He says, we should want that. We should want to hear that. In Matthew 10, 41, Jesus said, anyone who receives a prophet because he's a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. He says, we should listen to our prophets. And so where do we make space for them then? Where do prophets go? What do they do? Um, there's some different things. And again, you'll see it up here of ways that we can be, they can be used in the church. And so prophets actually are great on boards, elders boards, visioning teams, because they're, they're the ones that are going to say, I think maybe we're veering off course, or I don't sense God in that. If you have a hiring team in your church, a prophet should be on that team, because <laughs> they're discerning. They make a great denominational or ministry leaders, denomination refers to like we're Baptists, right? So people who lead in their denominations. Prophet, uh, prophets fitting great on mission teams because they want to share God's truth. They're really good at spiritual direction. If you don't know what spiritual direction is, it's kind of like counseling, only it's from God's perspective, so someone you would go that would help you seek God in a greater way. And you know where prophets often end up, and it's funny because I mentioned one of them this morning, on worship teams. Prophets often end up leading worship, right, because worship brings people closer to God. They're the people that say, let's come back to the one we worship. There's lots of places. Now the question is then, well, how can I identify... Maybe you're starting to say, I think I might be a prophet, but how do I know that? And how do I know if others are prophets? Because you know what? This is one that can get misused, like, a lot, right? And maybe you've had someone come up to you and say, this is God's word. And sometimes people use this in an abusive way, right? They say, this is what you need to do. And it's not just my word. It's God's word. That's tricky, And I don't want you to just walk away, and every time someone says, I'm a prophet, I have God's word for you, you're like, well, Leanne just told us we should listen to it. Uh, My husband, Dallas, has a story about a time he was once prophesied over when a woman came up to him at his Bible college and said, "Um, I have a word from the Lord for you that we are supposed to get married. And that's, so it wasn't me, hadn't even met him, so did you think that was me? It sounds like something I would do, doesn't it? I should have clarified. You would have all walked away and been like, and then Leanne told Dallas they get married. <laughs> That's hilarious, yeah. That could have happened for realsies. But, the, but that kind of stuff happens, right? Or they come up and say, you know, you need to do this, or you're sinning, or what have you. And sometimes it's been done in a dangerous way. And you know what? Everyone wants to fancy themselves prophets in this definition, right? Everyone wants to be like, no, what I think is God's ways, right? Like what I think is God's voice. So we need to be careful because, actually, this is one where Scripture says be very careful of false prophets. Scripture frequently speaks about the dangerous false prophets. And so we need to remember that prophets aren't just everybody who claims they're speaking for the Lord. And you might say, well, how do I know the difference? And there's some little tips that we can remember. Prophets speak truth. (laughs) And so if a prophet says something to you and it never, ever comes to be, like that woman, like he didn't marry her. That wasn't a prophecy. Prophets will never contradict scripture, ever, 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 right? They are speaking God's word. And prophets are the ones that you will resonate with the voice of wisdom. It will be encouraging. And so maybe you've had people in your life that want to give you advice. They want to give you wisdom, but you're like, you don't know, like, what you're talking about, right? <laughs> Everyone who wants to give you advice isn't a prophet. But there'll be people in your life that you're like, I know even when it hurts, that there's wisdom in it, and they've had wisdom in it before. And you begin to discern with God's leading. Now, the thing about being a prophet, maybe some of you are thinking, I think this might be me, is thats also a hard thing to be sometimes. And so I want to take a few moments to talk to our prophets and then to talk to those of us who are learning about prophets and may not feel that we are that, but how we can support them. And so we're going to look at the challenges that prophets can sometimes face. I shared this last week when I talked about apostles, but above all the gifts, Prophets can be really lonely. It might shock you to know that not everyone enjoys having the people around them that speak God's truth all the time. That can be hard. And the weight that they carry of feeling that sense of God's leadership and sometimes feeling no one else is seeing it can be very painful. And in fact, we have great examples from Scripture. I already told you the story of Elijah. And when Elijah was saying that, you know, you need to follow God and then that fire came down from heaven... Here's what happened after the fire came from heaven and the prophets of Baal were proved to be wrong. It says this, Now Ahab, the king, remember, told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he'd killed all the prophets of Baal with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I don't make your life like one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba and Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a brimbush, bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. "'I have had enough, Lord,' he said. "'Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors.'" And then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. And then it goes on to say a little bit later, "'And the word of the Lord came to him, "'What are you doing here, Elijah?' He replied, I've been zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. That's how he felt. Now, the ironic thing is we read later that there's still like 5,000 prophets left, so he's also having a bit of a distorted perception there. That's how he feels. He feels alone. I'm the only one doing this work. I'm the only one who's doing this, God. And so if you have that sense when you probably, you're like, I'm the only one who seems to care about God's truth, about leading people in justice, about really seeking God, find yourself in community. Prophets will often want to isolate, but ground yourself in a healthy community of faith that can be with you even in those times when you feel alone. Prophets can struggle with being misunderstood. And what I mean by that is sometimes people think, um, you know, they're a little out to lunch, or maybe they're really jerks, right? You heard some of those examples, right? Not everyone likes it when someone says, you brood of vipers, like John the Baptist said, right? And so sometimes when a prophet gets up and says, this is the way of truth, or this is what we should do, we just think, who do they think they are? And so prophets, my invitation for you is to remember that while you speak truth, uh, truth can be spoken in ways that may be heard easier than others in the context you may be in. And so it may be valuable to get feedback after a meeting to be like, why did everyone just ignore everything I said? Well, you know, we you know it was a bit harsh or we couldn't really follow it and learn how to share those truths in ways that maybe can be most effective for God's goodness. Prophets can grow hard. Their hearts can get hard. What I mean by that is if you spend a lot of time saying we need to care about the poor or we need to go in this direction or we need to pray more and over and over you feel that no one's listening or no one else seems to care, you can just say I'm so tired and your heart can grow hard and cold and say I'm just done. And I think the response when we grow hard is compassion. And so when you feel yourself getting hard and saying I just I can't carry this burden anymore, I can't carry anymore, right Elijah, just just let me die, (laughs) right? Like I'm over it. We can show compassion. We can choose to say, I'll have to be compassionate today. I will give money where I need to give it. I'll reach out to that person who's hurting so that my heart stays soft. And prophets can grow self-righteous, right? Eventually, it can get easy to say, you know what? No one gets me. No one else cares about this. I'm the only one who cares, right? I'm the only one who really cares what God has to say. I can't be bothered with everybody else anymore. And so we need to pray as prophets, that we don't grow self-righteous because we get frustrated with others. I wanna say to any of you who may be sensing that you have that prophetic voice to learn how to use that gift and learn how to use it well because we need it and we need it in our church and we need it in the world where it is so easy now to be led astray and to forget that voice of justice and love and the truth of what God has for God's people. And I want you to learn to look out for yourself and care for your heart and let God do that for you. And I mean, I also want to speak to those of us who aren't prophets, and I put myself in that category. Um, we don't always want to hear from people with a prophetic voice. It can be annoying, but we need it, right? We need it. All these people are so important in Scripture. And so one of the things that we can do is what we're doing right now. We need to understand that role. And you might just have never put a label on that before, right? You might have said, oh, that person's really wise, or that person always seems to say good things. Now you might be like, hey, they're doing the prophet thing. I think that's what's happening here. So that you can recognize that voice. And I think one of the things we also need to do is understand our own sin and our own imperfections. Because we will not be able to hear from prophets if we're like, no one's got anything to tell me, right? If we think we're always right, if we can't admit that we may go down the wrong road, that we've been wrong, that we've turned from God, how will we hear a prophet speak wisdom to us? And so part of the goal in our lives is to put our our self-righteousness aside so we can hear when we need to. And then we need to pause when a prophet speaks. If you recognize there's a prophet in your life, sometimes they're quiet. Sometimes they're like John the Baptist yelling in the desert, here I am. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes they're sitting quietly around the boardroom table. When they speak, we need to pause so that we can hear them well. We may want to avoid prophets when you know, we have an idea and we say, this is what the church is doing, the prophet's like, I'm not sure. Or we think we're going in the right way and we're like, this is what I want to live. I don't care what God says and the prophet tries to speak in. But we do so at our own peril. Prophets are a gift. We want to hear God's voice. One of the ways we hear them is through God's people and through our prophets. And so my invitation to us as a church today is to pause and consider who may be a prophet in your life. Who may be someone that brings that wisdom, who brings that like, this is God's voice. Maybe you've liked it sometimes. Maybe sometimes you haven't liked it so much. What would it look like to make space to hear from them and to acknowledge what they may have to say to you? What does it look like in our church to make space for the voice of a prophet? How do we make sure we can hear those voices and not just get caught up in things that may be leading us in ways that are maybe feel good, but we haven't really taken time to hear from God? That's my invitation. Now today, um, as we've done every week, we've heard from someone that we feel has this gift. And I'm gonna tell you someone that I think has this gift among us, and it might seem a little bit funny, but it's actually someone I already mentioned, my husband, Dallas. <laughs> And so I've asked Dallas if he'll come share. He's actually going to preach next week, too. I'm out of town next week. So it's always funny when one week you say you're a prophet and the next week you've got to get up and preach. So, like, make sure to listen to him next week, right? Come on out, Dallas. And I will say it's much to his chagrin that he was willing to get up here and say, he said, well, you know, it's a bit weird to name that that's something you have, but you've recognized that in your life as well. And so we need a second mic here.
0: FYI, I didn't say I was a prophet.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> I, think, I think, though, however, you begin to see this. So, how have you seen this in your life as we've started to talk about this more in Dallas?
0: Uh, the prophet is the one who has a sensitivity to God, the relationship we have, the covenant relationship we have with God, and with each other, both in, in their own soul, but also in their community. Uh, from my earliest memories, I have been uh, very keenly aware of my relationship with God and my relationship with others. As an early teenager, I became uh, extremely sensitive to my, uh, my peers and my community's relationship with God and each other. I'll tell you two, two stories. When I was in grade nine, I went to a Christian school. We went on a campout, out, and uh, at night... We had a fire going and I became began to speak quite passionately to my peers about their relationship with God and each other. And in the morning, when I woke up, I woke up a little bit later than I guess some of them, and some of the guys had taken some driftwood and they built a pulpit and they said, the preacher boy needs a pulpit. Uh, a few years later, in my high school years, I would spend Wednesday mornings at 7 o'clock in a prayer meeting Bible study with my peers. And on Friday mornings, I would just get together. That was at 7 a.m. on Wednesdays. And on on Fridays, I would get together with my youth pastor at 6 in the morning to pray for the kids in our church, but also the kids in the community. And I realized that not every teenager does that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so as I look back on some of those things, um, I don't think of them as being prophetic, but there's this keen awareness that, that I'm called to, to give voice and to see what's beyond just me. Uh, fast forward to when I, for those of you who don't know, I worked here with Leanne for 10 years. And for those of you who've been around from those days, you know, God's done some amazing things here. And there were some big changes. You may remember our whole situation around buildings the way we do worship services, the way we do our organizational structures, the way we have leadership teams, uh, the way we spend our money, all of those things um, are quite a bit different. Anybody know what I'm talking about? (laughs) For those of you who have been around. And I just sort of saw that from day one when when we got here. This is where we need to go. And... um,
1: and I think many people would say as well, if you uh, know Dallas, or as I said, some of you had him as your pastor for a number of years, that he was a person that people would say, uh, we went out for coffee, and then Dallas wrote this thing on a napkin, and I've kept the napkin ever since. <laughs> like, I really remember it. It was so true for me. So Dallas, you have a new job now. And so as a prophet, how do you live that out in your job? How does this job align with that prophetic calling?
0: Uh, I work for the Canadian Baptist of Ontario in Quebec, so kind of our denominational office. And uh, I... Give leadership to a team of seven of us, and we uh, provide leadership for 340 churches, uh, 700 pastors, about 28,000 congregants. And um, my job is to help see, to provide uh, resources, and to to help encourage to come alongside those pastors and churches that have that have maybe lost their mission. Uh, when I was hired, the search committee uh, they they invited me to come to the search committee, and they asked me to talk about the state of the CBOQ. And our, you know, Ontario and Quebec, the churches throughout there. And I started talking, and I started talking for about three to four to five minutes, and they actually, the executive minister cut me off, or after I was done, he stopped the interview, and he looked at the other interviewers, and he said, did I tell you any of that? Like, I didn't tell you that, right? Because they thought that I had been prepped on, on what was going on. And I said, and I said, no, you didn't tell me the state of our churches and, and the condition of what's going on. And, and they said, how did you know all of that? And I said, I don't know. It's just, I don't <laughs> so, know. You're dis-
1: we know. <laughs> <laughs> what's the burden, finally, of the prophetic voice? So this has been interesting. Dallas and I have talked about this. We talked about this, but yesterday I said, I've never thought of that. I think, yeah, this is giving language to the role I've always had. Um, and just want to point out that, again, if you're picturing the prophet, like the big fortune teller, the person who stands up and says, this, this is the, the thing. Um, Dallas looks different than that. But yet this is a prophetic voice. But it's hard. So what is the burden of that prophetic calling?
0: Um.
1: <laughs> well, we felt that one, didn't we?
0: <laughs> I mean, I would have said I feel the weight of the world on my shoulders, honestly. I have always felt that. I've always been keenly aware that uh, it's just all about God, about Jesus. And I often i am wondering why we let certain things happen. We let certain people talk toxically in our midst. Let's get to the heart of that. Uh, I've often wondered why we're doing things that are good, but not the most important things. And so all those lists, uh, it feels lonely for that. When I'm healthy, I think strategically. I give encouragement and I offer support and that kind of stuff, because my job is to help churches take whatever their next step is. But when I'm not healthy, and when I can't trust God with this, I just feel the weight of the world. I feel the weight of 28,000 congregants. God's never asked me to do that. My boss never asked me to do that, but I feel that. And so it can feel isolating. yeah.
1: So let's pray for our prophets. Thank you, Dallas. And so we're going to have a prayer up here that we're going to pray together, and then we'll join in worship. Let's make space for our prophetic voice. Would you join in praying with me? Dear God, thank you for the voice and role of our prophets. We pray that you would protect them from loneliness, discouragement, and bitterness. Help them listen well to you, sorry, well, and give them your words to speak to us, Help us to recognize the prophets in our midst and help us to make space for what you have to say to us through them. Amen. Thanks again, Dallas.
0: Douth needs to follow up and preach next Sunday, and. I